welcome everybody and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Uh, today's guest speaker is Ashwin Nadu. He is the founder and CEO of fishtech.org. Uh, Ashwin, welcome. Hi, Hina. Thank you. Oh, of course, of course. Um, and just for full transparency, um, I actually had the opportunity to work with Ashwin um, and his team earlier this year um, on some of their operations uh, out in India. Uh, Ashwin, how are you doing today and uh, how's work? I'm doing great. Uh, and our work has been moving along at a slow but steady pace. And of course, um, we have big plans, um, but we're trying to take it step by step, especially after the COVID-19 uh, reset. Right, right. So I, I want to jump into to some of these questions. When I had told you um, or talked to you about some of the members of my team at Unite 2030, they were very curious about the nature of the work that you do, whether or not it was impacted by COVID, um, and how you got into it. So if you could uh, tell our listeners um, a little bit more about your work, your background, and how you came to start your own conservation startup. Sure. Um, so it was uh, back in uh, 2014. I was just finishing up with my master's and uh, a PhD degrees in wildlife conservation and management from the University of Arizona and decided to and, you know, my degrees were on studying mountain lions and bobcats and the wild cats of the world uh, in many ways. And so I wanted to see, look for which are the endangered cats that need most attention. And I found out that uh, the fishing cat is one of those uh, endangered cats that does not get as much attention as the as its larger cousins like tigers and Right. Lions and leopards do, and so the idea was initially uh, discover these cats and look for where they are, and um, and then create a support system to uh, try to protect their habitats and and restore their ecosystems, um, and so th- that obviously you know built up over the years. And it took, um, I would say, seven years now to, uh, we still call ourselves a seven-year-old startup. So we're still a small organization, the Fishing Cat Conservancy. And uh, we are constantly experimenting with ways to um, get people to protect the fishing cat and its globally important mangrove and wetland habitat in South and Southeast Asia. Uh, so fishcat.org is now designed in a way to empower communities, um, starting with, of course, individuals, um, specifically landowners uh, in South and Southeast Asia to uh, embrace the idea that, hey, there are fishing cats in or near our lands. We can protect and restore our lands and not only provide habitat for the fishing cat and many other endangered species like the fishing cat, but also provide uh, jobs and opportunities for people to pursue conservation um, as a livelihood. And that's where we are headed. 
You know, I like what you said about pursuing conservation as a livelihood. I think a lot of people listening in on the podcast are very like-minded and that we're very aware of the dangers of climate change. Uh, we're learning specifically about the UN SDGs and sustainability implementation, excuse me, um, at the industry level. But when we talk about conservation, there's always this, this stigma that it's too privatized, that, you know, that there are certain uh, caveats that come with that kind of work. So what would you, what would you say to that? And, And why start a nonprofit startup? Right? Like, I feel like that's a, a very different space to be getting into, and there's a lot of opportunity in that. Right. So, um, I guess it's important to, uh, I, th- I think we have to start with the idea that, you know, if something is a worthwhile goal, um, then we might as well pursue it. And it becomes the purpose of uh, many of our lives. And in this case, climate change is a huge issue. I mean, we have to question, okay, what causes, what has caused climate change, right? I mean, some of the obvious ones, uh, if you look, are, uh, you know, we have created such a human beings have created such a huge footprint on, on, on the planet. And we have, you know, carbon emissions have, have been, are, you know, have been increasing for decades and causing, um, you know, uh, the warming of the planet as well as the, um, uh, the loss of species and biodiversity, uh, loss of biodiversity due to deforestation, um, and we've been sort of over utilizing or extracting uh, resources from the earth at a very, a very unsustainable rate. So, I mean, if you, let's say project into the future, all right, we can go on continuing to deforest, um, forest. We, we can go on continuing to increase, uh, CO2 in the atmosphere. We can go on continuing to, I mean, you have to invert this problem and you have to look at it like, okay. If you continue on, if we continue on this trajectory of increased uh, CO2 and, uh, you know, no forests or, you know, very few forests and absolutely minimal biodiversity, I mean, that extreme uh, looks really, <clears throat> I would say, it, it's, it's a really detriment, detrimental future. And so... So the actions that are being taken right now um, to solve this problem of, okay, I mean, humanity will perish if, if, if that's the extreme that you're looking at. Okay, fine. You know, do we want to let humanity perish? Do we want to be confined to this planet where we have destroyed, effectively destroyed the planet's resources and basically, uh, you know, lost our own species? I mean, that's obviously an extreme, but... Um, but it, 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 it's, it's totally plausible. I mean, um, from a ecological, environmental, and global standpoint. So that's one. And, and then the other is that, um, yeah, we need the planet's resources if we are to better understand the universe and expand to other planets and, uh, you know, survive into the future. I mean, the whole goal, I guess, is the, 
idea of sustainability and survival into the future. So uh, reverse engineering that or looking back, like what can we do to better uh, serve that future survival goal and, and, and sustainability goal? And that's where it comes into doing some things if you break it down into pieces. All right, let's move to creating clean energy. Let's move to, um, you know, uh, uh, reforesting and restoring certain areas. Let's move to revitalizing biodiversity in the places where it's been lost. Let's move to removing plastics from the environment. Let's move to uh, having cleaner um, and greener areas. You know, you know, all of those steps are looking into the future of humanity and going, we will have a better life in the future. We will be able to coexist and provide um, a good life to all the species on the planet. We will be able to uh, mitigate the harsh impacts of climate change. Uh, you know, all of those things fit in. And so the perp- so it makes sense and it brings meaning to the work of the, our organization and what we are trying to accomplish here. And all the noise related to the skepticism or the, um, I mean, we have to base ourselves on fun, base our actions on fundamental, uh, fundamental problems or fundamental, um, you know, um, um, directions, if you will. So that that's essentially what we're trying to do is basically break it, break the problem down into smaller parts and try to tackle these problems one by one. And so as part of that, we're working with the individuals on the ground to see, okay, can an individual restore an acre of land? Great. If one individual can do it, then we can scale that up to 10 individuals. Uh, can we protect one fishing cat? Yeah, sure. Can we, we have cre- seen one fishing cat at least be protected because of our actions. Let's try to make that 10 and so on and so forth. We try to move in these small, small, uh, you know, directions. Right. Sorry. It took me a minute to put myself off of mute. Um, Right. I completely understand, you know, what you're saying and the sentiments there. And it kind of, in a sense, sounds like what what you're talking about is something that's a little more circular. Um, I think what happens in a lot of industries is that you get so bogged down with different uh, work streams in your supply chain that, you know, you're not really having much of a consideration of the resources, the communities in which you impact, um, and the, just the, the longevity of, of your operations in turn. Um, and so, you know, to that end, you, you touched on this a little bit, but if you do have anything to add, in what ways are, is FishCat different than other conservation organizations, you know, you know like WWF, or like Conservation International, the Nature Conservancy, and um, in what ways do you positively impact the communities in which you work? That's a great question. So, um... Yeah, so definitely that, you know, I guess in, if you look back uh, from the Industrial Revolution, uh, an economic system that has worked is capitalism. But if you t- think about it, uh, you know, in a social sense, you know, okay, social capitalism, there's this idea that, okay, a company, a group of people come together to accomplish a goal that no individual can. And so, yeah, cars were produced and, uh, you know, you mentioned the word supply chain and, and the fact that, yes, there are many industries and organizations working 
um, to run the entire economy. And they're all elements of the economy. And, uh, you know, economic sustainability is just as important as ecological sustainability. If, you know, if I'm a, if I'm, that's, that's how an economist would say it. I would uh, look at it from an ecological standpoint as a conservationist. Oh yeah. Ecological sustainability is super important because, you know, if you don't protect the planet's resources, we're doomed. Uh, But I have to open my mind to the other side and go, okay, well, economic sustainability is just as important uh, because um, that's what gives everybody a fair chance to uh, participate and lead uh, lead a living or create a living for themselves. <clears throat> and so, uh, in this light, uh, yes, philanthropy is an element of humanity. Where okay, fine, there is capitalism is one side where you know there are industries and they 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 solve a problem and they try to scale their uh, operations such that you know it's i mean people say it's making money but it's actually solving a problem in an effective way that uh you know provides a solution in an efficient manner and uh people are use those services and pay for those services and hence you know there's a business in operation uh that essentially creates wealth for its shareholders as well as its uh, stakeholders. Um, so philanthropy, coming back to philanthropy, yes, you know, people want to give back. And the circular aspect of this comes in where, okay, we have to give back. We can't, you know, we're going to perish with our wealth. That doesn't make any sense. Like there is a philanthropy comes in where, okay, um, there has been a certain amount of wealth generated by certain individuals, part of a company. They want to do something good for the uh, planet, good for people, good for, you know, it completes the cycle, it completes people. It's like, okay, I want to give back uh, a part of or the entirety of what I have uh, been able to earn um, into this particular mission or goal. Um, and so, you know, you mentioned organizations like WWF Nature Conservancy. I think they they have been in operation for several decades, uh, doing uh, incredible work for um, you know um, nature conservation. And I think their role in the economy is okay. We will be we will serve philanthropy. We will essentially make sure that uh, you know wealth is being spent in these. Uh, key areas that need attention that don't have any natural mechanism. I mean, when I say natural mechanism, I mean, there is no socio-capitalistic or whatever the ideal current system is functioning to, uh, to, you know, eradicate uh, malaria or, um, uh, you know, uh, reduce or eliminate poverty or, um, you know, uh, solve uh, deforestation, extinction, climate change. You know, there's no natural, uh, or rather, a, a uh, business-based solution, or there are no com- you know businesses competing to solve these problems. Right? There's no, it, it's there's, there's nothing that's existing, and so these nonprofits fill that niche and go, okay, we will solve this problem with philanthropy uh, as our support system as our economy. And that's where we fit in. It's like, we're, we are a nonprofit organization, albeit very small compared to the organizations um, that we just talked about. Um, we still 
fit in part of that problem where, okay, we are using philanthropy to uh, protect and restore areas where fishing cats live. And of course, our goal as a nonprofit is to grow in size, to try to restore and protect as many areas on the planet as possible. And we're trying to, we're trying to use our, our model in a way, uh, we're trying to set up our model in a way that, okay, if we have a philanthropist and if we have a landowner, both philanthropist and landowner can work with, we can work with both philanthropist and landowner to move towards the common goal of creating nature reserves uh, that will essentially function as local businesses uh, to provide conservation-based livelihoods for, uh, you know, many people to come. So we were, in, we, were, we were looking at our first, we were looking at our first nature reserve. I think it created at least, at least four solid jobs for the local people who live next to that nature reserve. So I think we can create more such nature reserves and create more such jobs. And I think, you know, the word jobs is such a beautiful definition or practical, uh, uh, you know, implementation of economies. And uh, uh, I think that if we create more jobs in conservation, uh, automatically there will be, uh, you know, an economic support created for uh, the mission to solve deforestation and extinction and climate change. You know, I completely agree with that sentiment, and I think that's something that's been perpetuated in the conservation space. Um, now, I think a caveat that we would be remiss not to just discuss it at least once is when you have altruistic organizations and volunteer organizations working towards something like conservation, what you run into is um, what, you know, here in the West, what we call white savior complex. Um and, you know, for, for anyone who is unfamiliar with that term, um, and in essence, it's the concept of, you know, someone from a quote unquote, you know, first world country coming into a third world country um, and kind of enforcing ideologies, economic policy, because in it, we think that we're helping somebody else when, in fact, in a way, we're almost degrading an, another culture. And that can be in, in terms of economics, that can be in terms of morale. Now, I understand Fishcat is primarily a minority-run organization. Um, and so, you know, I, I want to ask what, in your opinion, are some of the biggest cultural boundaries in understanding uh, eco-politics and specifically what that looks like um, at Fishcat? Yeah, that's a great point about uh, touching upon diversity. Um, yes, I mean, intrinsically, Fishcat, you know, we, we never even thought about diversity to begin with. Um, I think organically, as we started, uh, we've had people from all, back, all kinds of backgrounds showing us to do conservation work. Because, you know, when it comes to nature and animals, I don't think we can really differentiate as human beings. Um, we all breathe the same air. We share the same... Uh, landscape. It doesn't make any sense from a conservation or ecological or wildlife standpoint to sort of um, uh, look into um, any, um, I mean, humans are humans, right? So, um, so going off of that basis, I think that we will always be a diverse initiative. Um, 
and you know to the comment on yes the the yes there is this thing that okay yeah there's a the the western uh are wealthier than many of the you know uh countries in you know S- southeast asia or southern um you know in africa or uh you know in south america i mean you can you can you can look at it from a country standpoint we can be like okay wow there are so many wealthy countries and yeah yes predominantly you know caucasian uh, uh countries are you know wealthier than all of these other uh countries that are comprised of many other races but uh you know Hey, you look at the reality the white savior complex the, the correct right 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 i mean i don't want to say it because you know i'm not really subscribing to anything but what i what i do want to uh, you know from an objective standpoint state that in an economic uh, it is it has been historically been like that so what do we do about it like we are in um uh, in a place where yes you know the wealthy people are wealthy the poor people are poor you know we cannot uh we we cannot you know uh look at it and go oh yeah we yes we have to reduce the wealth gap yes the I mean, people in many cases the wealth, the goal in many cases are yes we are trying to work on reducing the wealth gap um through many of these common initiatives that you unite us as human beings i mean you forget the wealth for a second you look at a human to human mm-hmm. it's human to human I mean that's the that's the fundamental connect we got to embrace here. It's like forget well you know if climate change is going to just wipe everybody out there's no I mean there's no nature will not differentiate between caucasian or black whatever you can put whatever tag you want to it's not going to be it's not going to differentiate you uh, what we what we yeah i'm sorry about that i keep i think it's the way i talk to it it sounds like i i keep cutting off um but i'm i'm just trying to think um so what i'm trying to um put together here is the fact that i think we have a responsibility as human beings to come together on this and we will be connecting uh the wealthy and the poor no matter what uh it has to happen it's inevitable that wealth transfer will occur there will always be a disparity uh and there will always be observations of who's wealthy and who's not and who's uh you know who's from which race and uh who's who's from what other race there will always be these comparisons but overall if you look at it from if you look at this this whole problem from space let's say you were in outer space and you were looking at it down into earth as one unit you would not be looking at this from be like okay fine how do we solve this problem this global problem of of nature conservation and 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 uh deforestation and extinction we have to come together yeah i mean yes there there the wealth distribution has to happen it's inevitable it's got to happen it will happen in some way form or the other uh the organizations that bring the wealthy and the poor together will make that happen i mean the um 
life will make that happen. Like everyone does not live forever. At the end of their life, at the end of our lives, we're going to have to, you know, essentially give away what we have accumulated. It's a natural transition. And I think we are in, given the information age and this whole idea about, you know, uh, coming together as humanity to, to look into the deeper meanings of uh, existentialism and things like that. There are many global problems that are bringing humanity together. And I have no doubt and I have full faith uh, about the future that all of these uh, problems will have to be inevitably solved. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that future. I think that was, that was very well put, Ashwin. Um, we are nearing the end of our time. Um, so I want to want to thank you for, for your time um, and for your articulation on this very um, prominent issue. Um, and to close out, do you have any any advice for anyone interested in conservation and sustainability? Um, you know, what, what would you tell them regarding their career, their education, their, their personal aspirations? Um, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that Ashwin and I had worked together um, at the beginning of the year for a few months. Um, and so what, what mentor mentee advice? Um, I know you gave me some, some gold nuggets um, along the way <laughs> these last few months. So if you have anything that you would like to, Share to, to our following um, that you think would be helpful. Yeah, for sure. I mean, first of all, just love uh, and embrace. I mean, look for something that you would love doing for the rest of your life. And uh, just if you, when, when you find that, um, just do it and have fun doing it. I mean, have fun doing what you love doing. I think uh, more often than not, you'll find that what you will love um, – is a worthwhile goal to pursue for many who love whatever you do or wish to do with your life. And so I think that there's uh, immense potential. If human potential is released um, intrinsically when, you know, you latch onto something that you love doing. And I think um, we should get more people to, um, embrace the idea that if you love what you do, you'll do, you do a great job of it. And um, yeah. And uh, as far as conservation goes, it is a very challenging field. One of the biggest challenges that we at fishcat.org are trying to solve right now is how do we fund conservation and how do we uh, embrace the ideas of, uh, you know, uh, of the current economy um, and the way the world works, how do we how do we how do we look into the way the world works and bring it into an operational system to help fund conservation, but not just fund conservation, but also keep it sustained. So um, financial sustainability um, goes hand in hand with ecological sustainability, and that's what we're working on to solve that problem. And we're looking at it. Um, uh, and so, yeah, conservation, if you're entering the field, it's going to be challenging. And it is a challenge. I think, you know, it, there's a certain love and a pleasure that you can um, associate with when you're solving um, such problems. And I think uh, it, it, it makes for a very 
fulfilling life. So uh, I would recommend uh, that, you know, if, you, if, if anyone is entering the field of conservation to basically go at it with full force and no matter, you know, make it happen for yourself and for your people, no matter what, like work towards making that goal happen. And then uh, it, it will happen, but it's not like, it, it may not, in our, in our case, it wasn't like a dream come true. And yeah, things just fell into place magically. Every day is a struggle, but it's a, it's a struggle that we uh, enjoy and that we can live with. And that kind of gives uh, a very good feeling that, oh, yeah, you know what? This is something we can make a living out of. I love that. Ashwin, thank you so much for your time, Ashwin. I appreciate it. Thank you, Hina. Thank you so much to uh, everyone for this wonderful opportunity. Mm-hmm.